We are the universe becoming conscious of itself. That's at least what I believe. Within you, you have all the answers. The part of you that is guiding you, the highest self, it's not reactionary. It's not overly emotional. It's expansive and calm. The ego is, you should do this. It's mm. reactionary. Something can feel expansive and still feel scary. In somatically, your body will have a physical response to questions, but we aren't taught that to like go within. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. You're in for a treat today. This guest, I was just on her podcast, which is called It's Fucking Spiritual. The name right there should tell you where we're going to go today. She's an entrepreneur, has an incredible story, and I've really, really enjoyed getting to know her over the last few days. So Rachel Gibbler, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. I'm, I'm honored to be here. It's true, truly, truly my pleasure. So let's start a little bit with some backstory for you. You've got uh, a really interesting history that involves you know, uh, kind of normal life trauma, a lot of a lot of fallout in that trauma, uh, uh, a date with corporate life for a while into yeah. entrepreneurship. There's so many layers to this. So just yeah. kind of give us the, the backstory, then we'll dive deep. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot there, a lot to uncover and unpack. And really, the story I always say starts when I was 16. And, and background up into that point, I lived a very normal, standard life, very fortunate. I'm an only child to two incredible parents that were together from the age of 13. Wow. And, you know, had a very supportive, loving upbringing. And from the outside looking in, everything really looked like it was perfect. Mm. And in many ways, it was. And then when I was 16 years old, my life came crashing down and I woke up one morning, no one was home and I had been informed that my father had been in an accident. And 24 hours later, he passed. And so the rug got ripped up, ripped out from under me very quickly. Mm. And a lot of things transpired after that. But so the, the story I always tell, so sitting in, in the hospital room next to him, just like broken. And I had a knowing that rushed through me and it said, this won't be all for nothing. Wow. And I don't know how I knew that at the age of 16. It was like this fire got lit within me and I knew one day I'd be sitting here with you telling my story, doing what it is that I do. And then, you know. The anger set in, time passed. I'm a junior in high school, and that little voice got very much pushed into the back of my head. And during that time, my my mom going through the trauma that she had gone through, I mean, right, she had never been alone. So she ended up remarrying very quickly to uh, an abusive man. Mm. And I found myself 17 years old. Um, we moved all of this, all of our stuff, all of the life, basically the entire life I had turned upside down. Yeah. And I found myself 17 years old, uh, sitting in a condo that we rented a dingy little condo that we had rented, uh, with a mattress on the ground alone. And I turned to drugs and alcohol. And I think it was like a cry for help and a cry for attention, a cry for wanting my parents. And I really had no parents around at that point. And that was eight years, eight years of drug and alcohol abuse. I got into my own abusive relationship shortly after this as well for four years. And I found myself by the age of 23 working a corporate job in sales that I absolutely hated, making 30K a year, you know, salary and uh, 80 hours a week for someone else. And on the weekends, binge drinking, blacking out, only had party friends. I 
at the time, considered myself to be atheist, right? I didn't have any belief. Yeah. yeah. I, I had no belief outside of myself, which is one of the reasons that I believe I went down the path that I did because I was so angry and I was like, well, nothing's real. None of this is real, right? Like there is no God. There's nothing out there. Or otherwise, this wouldn't have happened. And so I lived into that narrative for a long time. But what I will say, Jamie, is that throughout those eight years, there was little moments where I would like take that pill or I'd take the shot I knew I shouldn't take. And that knowing would rush through me. Mm. This won't be all for nothing. One day you'll tell this story. And I was 23 years old and it was December 2017. So you can do the math. You know how old I am. And I was, it was uh, on my lunch break. And I was crying out and I finally had this moment and I was like, please just like allow time to stop so I can think. Mm. Just want to think. I want to do something. I want to make my life better. And your wish is my command. A week later, I was in my own freak accident. And I shattered my knee and it forced me to take three months medical leave because I was in sales having to take people to lunch and dinner. That was my job. Right. And so was forced to take three months medical leave and I was laying in bed two weeks into my recovery. At this point, I'm pissed. I'm like, everything is out to get me. Like my life sucks. It's my rock bottom moment. And then I had the knowing and it was so clear. And it said, use this time wisely. And this won't have been all for nothing. And I knew that that was going to be those three months in bed. That was going to be my time. That I was one day going to tell this story with us sitting here just how we are right now. And I was going to say that was the moment that I chose to change my life. And I grabbed my computer and I had nowhere, I had no idea where to start. And the first thing I did was Google how to be happy. Hmm. I didn't know what self-development was. I didn't know what mindset work was. I had never met another entrepreneur. Um, and I studied and I laid in bed for three months. I said, I'm going to change my life. And I didn't take the pain pills and I didn't watch the Netflix and I ripped the Band-Aid and I studied entrepreneurs and their mindsets and how other people had overcome. And I didn't know what I was really doing at that time was expanding my belief of what was possible by looking for expanders that had walked the path. Mm. It's just naturally what I began to do and ultimately went back, quit my job, ended up um, going into a company with my mom at the time. Um, had brick and mortar salons and and really developed myself as an entrepreneur, but my mindset and my foundation. And uh, ultimately that led to a spiritual awakening and uh, what I do online now, which is coaching and courses and retreats and creating and facilitating um, spaces where people can expand. And uh, yeah, it led to it's fucking spiritual. I saw a gap in in spiritual and self-development communities and was like, where are the people showing up messy? Like, I'm going to be that person. Yeah. And then that launched um, a little less than two years ago and it took off and it completely um, skyrocketed my career. And now we here are now here we are today, we are. five years, great, five years later. Yeah. I love the way you tell the story. Thank Honestly, you. that's you have a gift for it. And I, that's why your podcast has been so successful. Um, atheist always. Yeah. So it's funny. I, I don't really... I say atheist because that's the easiest way to define it in a one sentence. But if we really want to dissect this, my family wasn't religious. I never grew up going to church. My parents had grown up in different churches. I think my father, Catholic, my mother, Christian science, which is a much smaller um, Christian community um, or religion. 
And yeah, it was just that I think my parents were like, eh, we don't want to do that. So it just kind of was like nothing. Mm. It wasn't like we're atheist. It just was, I was nothing. Mm. I didn't have that community. I didn't have that framework. And being the child that I was, I mean, as you can imagine, I have fucking the title of my podcast. I was somewhat of a rebel rebellious kid. Less rebellion, I'd say actually more free spirited. Sure. Free spirited. And I grew up with a father who was very much, you need to be clean cut. Don't curse. I was not allowed to dye my hair. I wasn't even allowed to wear black. Couldn't paint my nails black. So what did that, you know, what did I want to do as a teenager? I wanted to do all those Everything. things, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so the correlation I made was because I was free spirited, because I was, I always wanted to be older than my age. I always wanted to like toe the line a little bit. I associated religion with judgment mm. of people like me. Like, oh, I'm not this prim and proper, like buttoned up person. And I always kind of pushed against my father in that way. Yeah. And now what I realized was my own judgment of that was, or my fear of the judgment was simply my projection and I was actually judging. Yeah, sure. So, you know, now where I sit in my vantage point, I actually find religion very fascinating. And for me, spirituality, I've taken a lot of different um, realize it's it's just a different avenue to really the same thing in, in the in same language. But I didn't understand that at the time. So I say I consider myself atheist, but really what it was is I just had no framework for any belief outside of myself other than I think religious people judge me and in turn I was judging them. Yeah, And uh, that's ultimately, you know, what I believe led me to swing the pendulum in the complete opposite direction when my father passed. Yeah. So I was so angry that I went off and I got all the tattoos and all the piercings and started drinking a ton and was like, well, no one's watching me. No one cares anyway. And that was the mentality that I had. And it was very much at that point a rebellious mentality that now I've, you know, harnessed and cultivated and realized that was simply um, my capacity for bigness sure. that was misdirected. Yeah. How do you define spirituality? Oh, that's a good doesn't have to be perfect. Good I'm just question. kidding. Like, how would you? Yeah. I think for each person it's different. But for me personally, yeah. it's a connection to an energy that's greater than myself. Okay. How do you, by what, how do I ask this question? By, in what way or by what um, circumstance do you think this voice, this knowing that was like almost mm -hmm. like in English speaking to you? Yeah. How did you connect? To, is there a way to knowing what yeah. you know now? Like, I mean, it just sort of happened with yeah. you, it sounds like. Yeah. But for somebody sitting out there listening, like, that's so cool. I, I, I want to hear that voice. Mm -hmm. I want that that thing that tells me that in the shittiest moment of my life, because I'm having it right now, maybe, or, yeah. you know, somebody just passed or whatever it might be. Yeah. I want to know how I, I hear that, you know, whatever. What Where's mm -hmm. this going? How, yeah. Is there, a I love way to, it. is there a way to tap into that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I have practices now that cultivate that relationship. For me, it's a relationship. Let's go. Um, <laughs> however, what I'll say in that moment, right, as a 16-year-old, yeah. sometimes I believe life life's us in a certain way. Right? Yeah. It gives us a circumstance. And sometimes those circumstances can be so big that there's a conviction that comes online in a moment. And if you're listening to this, think in your life like, have there ever been moments where you just knew like something took over you and you had like whether that's mama bear energy that came online or like for me, it was like this energy of like even my father, my mom didn't want to donate his organs. I looked at the doctor. And I said, yes, do it. 
Like my mom was so in a, so it was like this thing that came online for me that I didn't have to tap into at that moment because we all have it in us. 100%. If you are here on the planet, you are here for a reason, right? Like there's a one in 400 trillion chance or something like that, that you would have been born as you. Mm. That's magic. Yeah. So what is that? So when we have things that activate us in some way, a big life circumstance, it naturally can come online because it's your intuition, it's your spidey sense, it's your like, I don't know how I knew that, I just knew. And we can harness it and cultivate it. And now I've cultivated a relationship with it. So to answer your question, what I've found in the way to cultivate a relationship is deep presence, deep trust, and having conversations with the higher version of you. So deep presence looks like getting quiet enough to listen. We have a tendency as a society and a culture to drown out our voice with noise. So we are a fast-paced society, go, go, go all the time, achieve, climb the ladder, do the things, right? And whether we're drowning it out with work or we're drowning it out with Netflix or scrolling or surrounding yourself with people. That was one for me all the time. It was like I wanted to be around people all the time. I never wanted to be alone because I didn't want to be alone with that voice. So I was afraid of what I would find. If you can cultivate a relationship with the inner knowing that is actually the real you, it gives you insights and it gives you lessons and it gives you um, a new level of awareness if you are willing to get quiet enough to listen to it, if you're willing to create space, and I love what you said when we filmed yesterday for my podcast of like, you go away for a weekend, right? So you're, that's what you're doing is you're, you're creating an awareness and you're cultivating a presence without the noise, without the distractions, and allow your, that inner voice, that inner wisdom to come online. It's actually a very loud voice. I call it like this little voice, but it's really loud voice. And you'll notice and anybody listening to this, like, and, and maybe you can relate to this too, Jamie, of like that voice within you, like it's a whisper. It's yeah. like, hey, there's something greater for you. Hey, there's something bigger that you're meant to, uh, to give to the world. Hey, you, you can do this. Hey, go over here. And then the more you don't listen to it, it gets louder and louder and louder. So if you begin to cultivate a practice of awareness and presence with it, and you're willing to listen to what it says, maybe it says, hey, is this the right relationship? Might not be the right relationship for you. Hey, you know, are you, should you really be eating that thing again? Like whatever that is, a self-sabotaging <laughs> habit. Sure. And also the trust. So the deep trust. Yeah, that's interesting. Go go with that. Yeah. So. Let me ask you, if you, you know, with your kid or something, like if you, if your kid was always saying, hey, dad, 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 look at this. Look at me. Hey, notice me. And you were like, no, didn't notice you. Didn't notice you. How would that relationship be? Yeah, not good. Not good. Right. right? Yep. So that's what we do to ourselves. Mm. We have this little voice that's there in the whisper, yet we still stay in the job that we hate. We still stay in the relationship that isn't fulfilling to us. We still, you know, do the patterns, the work, pick up that beer that we know isn't good or, you know, w without intention. We're going through our life, bulldozing our life with noise. You begin to get quiet enough to listen. That voice comes online. Well, to cultivate trust, you've got to follow it. Mm. So starting to do the little things with, that follow that voice 
it gets stronger and your relationship with it gets stronger. And the more you deeply trust it, like we, we go around, I think there's like such an epidemic in our society of not trusting ourselves. We're taught to not trust ourselves. Look outside of ourselves for the answer. Look, you know, look at the guru for the person that has the answer. Look at the, the coach or the this or the that. And those things are tools, but they are tools to bring you back to an awareness that of answers that is already within you. Sure. So we get to, as, as you cultivate the relationship with the awareness and you trust it and you follow it, that relationship becomes stronger. And so that's how I've really found for me personally. And I, the trust is a practice. It's something that I'm working on every single day yeah. and learning how to harness and learning how to cultivate. And I can notice now because I've practiced it so much when I'm outsourcing my power to a thing, to another person, to, or even just doubting my own power. It's like, I got to come back to my practice, get quiet enough to listen, notice what's within me with observation and not judgment. And then as I like ask myself, ask yourself better questions, mm -hmm. right? When you ask yourself powerful questions, that voice will come online and can give you answers. Yeah. Does the voice, is the voice potentially authentic self? Is it ego? Is it a combination of the two? How do you discern? I love this question because I get this question all the time for me personally. And again, like it comes with practice and awareness for yourself. Mm. The voice of with you, authentic self, higher self, your soul, you want to call it the universe, God, source, whatever resonates with you. It's the same thing because mm -hmm. it is you mm -hmm. like we are the universe becoming conscious of itself. That's at least what I believe. Mm, I like that. And so you've got it within you. You have all the answers. The, the part of you that is guiding you the highest self, it's not reactionary. It's not overly emotional. It's expansive and calm. Mm. So when you think about doing something, well, let me say the ego, what the ego is, you should do this. It's mm. reactionary. It feels tighter in your body. Sometimes like someone might say, oh, you should do this. And it feels contracting in your body. Your body will physically contract. That's the ego. Wow. Like, oh, I should do it. Right. So my, right. the question I always ask is, does this feel expansive to me or does this feel icky to me? Which is it? Because something can feel expansive and still feel scary. Yes, sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But and something can feel like I should do this. It should be expansive. But your body's like, mm, hmm. no. So, again, it's cultivating the awareness of getting quiet enough to listen. And then you'll notice if in this is what I've got into, like somatically as well. So the soma is the body and somatically your body will have a physical response to questions. Hmm. But we aren't taught that to like go within. Your body will literally feel like. This is expansive. This is what it feels like every single time I invest in myself or my business. Yeah. Like it can feel like, oh, my God, I'm putting X amount of money. How many tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars that I'm, you know, choosing to to invest right now? Like, oh, the oh shit moment. And it'll feel expansive. It's like I this calm knowing that this is the right direction and my mind might, you know, sure. yeah, yeah. but when I really get quiet to, enough to listen, it feels like ex an expansive opportunity. It doesn't justify. It doesn't have to overly explain. The ego does that. Yeah. But the knowing is calm and serene and just guidance in the right direction. 
And the ego is the, I should do this. And I know which one, I can discern which one it is now. And uh, will tell you that you should do something. You should, it should make logical sense. Mm. And I don't necessarily, I think there's a time and place for, of course, the logic piece, but I go off of the feeling and the knowing. That's the best explanation I've ever heard of that, Thank to be you. honest with you. No, no bullshit. That was, that's a, an amazing way to internalize that feeling. And again, to your point, you get some level of alone time. I do the mm -hmm. weekend, a week, a day, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, you can actually tap in. Somebody said it once and it's it just, it, I love, there's another way of saying it. it was like, you just know. Yeah. Right. But still, even then, like, but how? And mm -hmm. what you said really puts, I think, uh, uh, a real, well, you said it yesterday, the practical and the woo, right? Mm -hmm. That gives a little bit of practicality to yeah. your ego. Will, when your ego is telling you, because I know I've had that, like, you know, fuck, I should do this. Right. Yeah. But it still feels like, ah, you know, like, yep. ah, ah. but there's other times where it's just, I, I, this is what I'm going to do. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm going to go this way. What's up, everybody? It's Jamie. You're listening to this podcast because you want to think and you want to live differently. And if you haven't already, the way to get that done as fast as possible is by joining GoBundance at any level. We're the community that you've been searching for with six incredible pillars around contribution, health, relationships, accountability, adventure, horizontal income, unbelievable pillars that we do everything around in this incredible community. You can experience the power of being in the best physical shape you can be, having a supportive tribe, achieving your bucket list items, having a community of peer partners, giving back and building a lifetime, a lifetime of wealth. So I hope you join us, join this tribe. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. As we go into uncertain times, join the tribe where you can find the people and the resources you need to see you through. Go to GoBundance.com, fill out an application and we'll figure out the right community for you, whether it's Emerge, Elite, Champion or GoBundance Women's gobundance.com check it out today back to the show i'm mm. curious about this. this is kind of putting the practicality into the woo a little bit as well so all right let's say let's say i i go within i hear that voice that that mm. knowing and it's telling me do this yeah but all practical reason and logic tells me that that's not the responsible move right now right uh mm. quitting a job leaving you know moving to another part of the country selling your house and buying a new one in a high interest whatever it is right right all practicality tells you it's not the right thing to do. Do you act? Do you do you hold it in the back of your brain? Do you just mm -hmm. uh, uh, like, okay, I've got this knowing, write it down. Like you have, put it on the yep. walls, put it on the doors, right? Yeah. So I keep it in mind. Or do you act? Like what, what's the right move there? I write's the strong word. Mm -hmm. What's the suggested move there? What do you think is the intention of this voice in that moment? Is it for you to go or is it for you to take this and filter it through real life? I love this. And there's nuance to this Please, as well. Yeah. So I, there's pieces because there's an element of, I believe the faster we act, the greater the portal of possibility is the longer that we wait, the longer that, that we, uh, this is what I say, overarching, right? If you feel the voice, you feel the knowing, Oftentimes I say act before you can talk yourself out of the thing, but mm. it will. And, and also I do that too. I take my butts and make them to ants. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and that could look like I have, this is something that I personally practice and knowing that I need to have like a, a tough clearing conversation. Boom. I'll act in it. And right in that moment, because I know if I wait, I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to do this right now. And Hey, I've got a big day and da, da, da. But if it's something that's like a big life thing and say you've got like kids at home, you have certain life circumstances, I think there's also 
um, a time and place circumstantially depending on what your specific circumstance is to listen to the knowing, to practically prepare for the thing. So I think it's a combination of both depending on what the voice is telling you, Mm. right? But depending on, on the circumstance. And yeah, I think, I think it's a dance. Like I really truly do think it's a dance of yeah. uh, practicality and also following the thing and also knowing yourself. So if you're no, you know that you're going to talk yourself out of it and you're the type of person that talks yourself out of it and you've talked yourself out of it for 20 years, like maybe it's time to rip the bandaid. Right. Right. right? <laughs> and also yeah. there's something to be said about, I don't always believe like there, there's elements in the spiritual community where people kind of, We'll say, well, oh, they just go with the wind and they don't plan and they're not practical. So I believe that we get to marry these two things and meet these two things in the middle Mm -hmm. where we say, hey, okay, what responsibilities do I have? What are the things that are actually that I I get to sit here and discern? And am I truly following the bliss? Am I truly like not using that as an excuse? Because a lot of people probably listening to the show are so used to being practical, too. It's like so. Are you using that as an excuse to ignore your intuition? And sometimes it's time to rip the Band-Aid. Yeah. So I think it really depends. I love that. I've been called to this phrase in my life of extreme simplification. Mm. Is simplification synonymous with spirituality? I love this because this is something I've actually been feeling into for myself personally. For real? Yes. Interesting. I don't think it's synonymous, meaning that it's like the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the wrong. But word. I think yeah. it's spirituality is yeah. simple. That's what it probably better way. Of yeah, it. yeah, exactly. It, it's people overcomplicate it. It's presence. Mm. It's deep presence. It's being where your feet are. It's acceptance yeah. of all parts of you, not just the parts that you like and want to show to the world. Yeah, it's knowing yourself. It's and it gets to be so much more simple than we make it. And that's what I've personally been sitting with for really the past couple of months as my business has grown, as my life has grown, as these things have started to scale out and it's gotten more and more complicated. I've come back so much to simplicity in my practices, Mm. simplicity in the way I run my business. I'm like, how does this get to be more simple? How does like it really is. So much simpler than we make it. Yeah, 100%, yeah. right? Yeah. I want to talk about your businesses a little bit. You yeah. mentioned the salons with your mom. Mm-hmm. Still in play or is that? I just sold them about nine months ago. Okay. So yeah. what from, from that point, was there an overlap where you were starting to build your coaching practice? Yes. And yes. so now today, what does that look like? What I'm kind of curious, what's the business for you right now? That yeah, absolutely. So I have one-on-one coaching. I don't do a ton of that anymore because I have scaled out to group coaching programs. Yeah. So that took off very quickly. My first launch, we had 50 people uh, in my group program. And wow. I was like, oh, okay, wow, beautiful. This yeah. is great. What, what's that real quick before you move on? What's the need or what, what, what are you what are you offering to fulfill that these that people flooded to you for? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really, I create safe spaces for people to do the work. And by the work, I mean self-development and knowing themselves spiritually. Mm. So my group program is called Manifestation University. It's a self-paced program with also group coaching calls. And then it runs on Evergreen um, 
for self-paced course only edition when I'm not running it live. So it does drip out to my students. It was first the first round we did a 12 week, then the second round we did a 10 week. And it takes them through a four part process, unlock, unlearn, uncover and unleash. Mm. And essentially what it is, is it is all of the woo things you'd ever want to know, right? Blended with and taught with more of the quantum element and the neuroscience elements. We're bringing more science into it to make it tangible. I break spiritual concepts down in a way that makes them real raw and relatable for real people to apply to their life because that's what I needed. And so it's really a program for subconscious reprogramming. So Mm. I am certified in neurolinguistic programming as well as like life and success coaching, EFT tapping, which is emotional freedom technique. So different um, subconscious reprogramming practices. And then I brought in as I've gotten certified and deeply into somatic processes. Now I'm a breathwork facilitator. I do more experiential things as well. Um, So the business side of it looked like one-on-one coaching um, that scaled out. And then I went into group coaching. And uh, as that took off, I've scaled down my one-on-ones and then now retreats as well. So more in-person experiences and I speak and I guest coach and do workshops and things like that for other people as I've become connected in this space. It's been really beautiful how everybody just kind of like helps each other. And it's been, you know, so incredible. But I have my first retreat in two days from now. Yeah. Um, which is super exciting. And then I'm uh, facilitating at Garen Jones retreat as well. So I affiliate for other people. So there's different elements and legs to my business and the way I, you know, monetize. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's continually evolving and growing. And I think I'm going to love in-person stuff. So you will. And, I think and, that's where we're going to go. Yeah, you, yeah. You'll be, you'll be amazing. You can, like, the energy you have in person, the yeah. two times we've met is just incredible. Thank so you. You'll be amazing with it. Why it's fucking spiritual. Mm, This is so good. (laughs) So, okay. When I got into this work, so five years ago, um, I got in through what I like to call the front door, which is mindset work, self-development work, goals, accountability, like you know, true. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I came in through the front door of of this mindset, these, all these things. And then I had a spiritual awakening um, in 2020 and I got more into what you call the woo. And for me, and I, I mentioned this is like coming from a background that I was judgmental of this stuff. I'm not someone that ever accepts like from the spiritual side of things what's your angels communicating to you? Or like, oh, you know, it's 11-11. It's like, it means this thing. I'm like, okay, no, I want to know what, why, how, what do you mean? But as I went on the journey of like really starting to connect to myself, connecting to um, an energy that was greater than, than myself, it started to mirror back to me. Things started to happen in my life hmm. that were what we would consider coincidences. And they just happened too often like what so for example like this is so it's so funny so silly but like you'll you hear this in spiritual teachers they'll say ask for a sign right Mm -hmm. like ask for a sign from the universe and i'm telling you i thought this stuff was bullshit (laughs) i was like this is so stupid like no and i'm searching for answers so fine like everything i would do like almost had this air of like prove me wrong right you know And so that that's the entrance that I got into this world. So, for example, I, I'll never forget this. I heard on a podcast, I think it was Gabby Bernstein. She was a 
beautiful spiritual teacher. She she teaches a course in miracles, which is this this textbook, and she um, she said, "Ask for a sign. Mine is an owl." And I remember this was this was March of 2020. My grandmother had just died the week before lockdown, oh, wow. and then we go into lockdown, and I'm deep into self-development at this point, but I was feeling like there was deeper things to unlock, right? I'm like, this has gotten me far and like where I, I need a deeper connection to myself. So because I didn't want to manipulate the sign, right? Like give me a sign for dog. I have a dog or like give me something that I knew that I would see. I decided, okay, fine. I don't see owls anywhere. So give me an owl. And it's like, I'm coming at it from this mentality, but which I don't recommend, but like, this is where I was That's at. Hilarious. So it's true. I love it. And I think a lot of people are like skeptical yeah, yeah. of this stuff. Right. And so was I, and I walk outside, I go to walk my dog outside and there is a huge mural. There was a, 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 there's a parking meter and on the parking meter, huge mur mural of an owl. I walk by this parking meter every single day and I'm like, no way. No way. Because she was saying, like, it doesn't have to be an actual owl. It can be, like, a yeah, picture sure. or whatever, right? An ornament. Right, it, yeah. right. right. But, and, and I'm like, no way. And so I start, like, laughing out loud because I'm like, this can't be a thing. And so I'm like, give me another owl. Like, fine. Give me another owl. No shit. Yes. I'm like, I keep going on this owl <laughs> thing. I'm like, I don't believe this. So then later that evening, later that evening, I'm hanging out at my cousin's house and her partner. And out of nowhere sitting on the couch and he was like look he's scrolling on his phone he's like Rachel oh my gosh how cute is this and he shoves the phone in my no face like way. and it's a video of a baby owl going like this and I'm like no a third no. owl I did oh I'm not on. even kidding I'm not kidding this is how like I'm so up. jaded I'm yeah. so jaded about like I'm like there's no way like prove me wrong and, and, and it was almost mocking me because he like shows me this video and then he like takes his phone back and I'm sitting there like what the fuck and then he scrolls again and he was like oh and this one and shoves it back in my face a different photo of an or yeah. video of an owl and i'm like you are mocking me at this point like what oh, what yeah and so then i go back home i'm like still chewing on this so then the next day i'm like this can't be okay fine give me another owl and this and within 24 hours in a different way that it's come like i'm telling you another owl come on fourth owl you four, need four uh, four, owls. four yeah i need a fourth <laughs> owl at this point like i'm like i you know i'm really just let's drive the point home there's no way yeah, yeah. but i gotta hear it i'm skeptical yeah. now but go yeah, keep, keep so going. i have like, a feeling the fourth owl shows up but uh, yeah spoiler alert so i'm like in 24 hours i need it in 24 hours i need this owl and nearly 24 hours goes by. So the whole day goes by the next day. And then in the evening, I go to bed and I'm like, I still haven't got my owl. So if I don't get my owl, then it's not real. Like, I'm I think I'm, wow. I'm like wanting to prove yeah. myself right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we all this whole fuck tend you to overtone do. that you've got exactly. to. It. Yeah, right. Exactly. So the next day, um, my friend comes over and we're we're hanging out and. uh and I'm like about to not get my owl, yeah, right? And then like yeah, I'm realizing like I really want the owl. And at this point, I think we're at like hour 22 or something. I've got like two more hours left. And he goes, oh, hang on. I'll be right back. I got to go get something in my car. And he goes to his car and I say, I'm in my apartment. And I say out loud, universe, if you're real, I've got two hours left. And I honestly really want to believe in you. And I'm sorry that it's taken. But now I really need this owl. And... I talk out loud to myself all the time now, but like at the time, this was like really new for me. And he comes back with a thing in his back and he sets it down. He's like, oh, here. 
and it's a piece of paper with a picture of an owl. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I started bawling. I started crying. Oh and then I explained God. to my friend the, the whole thing. So, yeah, wow. that was how I tested the universe. That's how I, I found right. myself here. And you answer, You asked, that was like a detour to no, how did you I, name it? I, I, I want to go down the detour. I'll keep it. Go, continue. <laughs> well, I can tell you why. So, so that was how I've approached spirituality is this lens of skepticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so ultimately entered through the front door, yeah. very more hyper-masculine side of, um, of self-development work, development, right? Sure, yeah. Personal development. Then I get into spirituality because I am just proven wrong at this point. So then, and I start studying and I start studying the mind and the reticular activating system and how I'm like, whether it's your angels giving it to you or it's your reticular activating system being programmed for the owl, either way, isn't that magic? Is right. Either way, isn't right, right, right. the same thing. I was actually going to ask about the RAS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, great job. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so this is how I teach spirituality. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, no matter what it is, mm. it's all the same thing, right? right, right? right. And so... I get into to this work and into the spiritual side of things. And then I'm, lo I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I fit. Because at this point, I had been sharing my story online, okay? So I've been sharing my story for four years on the internet. But I would like start and stop because I had, I, I, it wasn't my source of income at that, at mm -hmm. that time. And I was in programs and I was learning to coach. I think a lot of people in this space, at least what I've seen that like start out, they're like, I want to like start making money immediately and I'm going to be like coach immediately. I'm going to do oh these things. I'm like, you don't have the skill set yet. I love, I love this point. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I took, I've taken five years yeah. of honing my skills, getting, being certified in different things, joining different masterminds. So I did this slowly mm -hmm. where I really learned the structure of online business. I really learned um, different modalities and things. I really tried things out for myself before I ever tried. Like I was just sharing and giving and freely. Same. Yeah. freely sharing with people the, the truth of where I was, which is also another reason why I believe my community is as strong as it is today. Yeah. Um, because I gave and gave and gave for so long without ever asking for other things in return until I was actually ready and knew that I could serve yeah. and was serving from that place. That's a, an aside. But I found, I, w I was trying to find my way, right? And I'm like trying to find where do I fit? I'm like, I'm not like buttoned up enough to be like this mindset guru like person, <laughs> right? And I'm like, and, and for a long time, I still drank and I can get into this now. Now I'm sober. So it's, that's a funny new, um, how long? New lane, new lane I'm going down. Um, I, I haven't been drinking, uh, really at all for like nine months now. Okay. Um, I've had a couple of glasses of wine within those nine months and sure. then fully realized like, no, I'm actually good. My wife's doing um, the same thing. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. yeah it, it's been a journey. So I can't like fully claim sober until like more recently because I, I you know, but like substance free mm. for the most part for, and it, that's been a whole journey that I'm, I'm happy to share about as well. But at the time I'm like, I still drink. I curse. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm not buttoned up enough to be this mindset person. Then I'm looking at the spiritual community and I'm like, I'm not this person that's like meditating and like talking about the angels. Like I'm a lot more just like real mm. and raw and relatable. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. I have friends that are like the most airy hippie people ever. And like I'm in for it. Sure. And it wasn't authentic to me. Mm. And so one day it was actually two years ago, like nearly this time right now. I attended my first retreat ever and I declared one day I'm going to have a sold out retreat. Mm. I'm going to do just like, and I was there to also watch how they ran it. Sure, I was sure. like, 
I know I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then I was like, what? One day I just said, you know what? Sometimes it's just fucking spiritual. Right. Like, it's just fucking spiritual. And then it stuck. And I'm like, yo, it's edgy. Yeah. It's raw. It's real. It's honest. It's polarizing. Mm. And it was everything that I am. Yeah, yeah. And so I took a risk. And, you know, I put fuck in the title of my podcast. And some people said not to do it. And I had to really deepen in my own trust and my own intuition at that point. And I truly believe that is one of the reasons why it blew up as fast as it did and is as big as it is and is growing to where it's going right now because people are searching for something different. Yeah. And it's not all love and light. And I am so not all love and light. And I'm also on the journey. And I really don't claim to have it all and know it all. But, like, here's what I do know. And here's how I explain it to myself. And people, I'm, I, I'm very fortunate that I show up very um, high on the SEO if you search spiritual or manifestation. And then people are like, what's that? You know, it's fucking spiritual. And they click on it. Yeah. And so I, people find me all the time from searching in Spotify and Apple and then the name grabs people's attention and that's I wanted that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like I'll be honest, like I wanted something that was would stop you. Mm -hmm. And then the energy of the podcast matches the name. And so then people stay and I've got really diehard community and it would be nothing without them. And they all share it and it became word of mouth and it just became this whole thing. Yeah, so yeah, like I, yeah. this is one of those where in about six months you probably wouldn't return my text anymore. No. This is one of these interviews, you know, where, <laughs> I, where you. I've got you, I've got you like right before you. You, you got me in the pocket you, you when that, we're connected. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That Hormozy ascension. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit more about your father in a moment, but, uh, but there was another question that popped into my head just a second ago. You were talking about, oh, I wanted to ask this. So the Course in Miracles, who was the author again? Um, well, she was not the author, but Gabby Bernstein is a teacher of the Teacher. Text. I'm sorry. My yeah. wife went through A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm familiar with the, the phrase, the, 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 mm -hmm. what you said, but I wasn't familiar with who, who put it together. Mm -hmm. So this idea, the owl, I want to go back to this for a moment. Mm -hmm. Are are you, so right now, like if I'm going to say, show me, you know, I don't know, uh, a, a black rabbit, whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. I, my belief is that I, I believe there's a higher power, mm -hmm. God, whatever, like you said, you can call it whatever you want mm -hmm. to. I believe in miracles. I believe in that voice. I heard that. I told you about my voice yeah. moment, right? Yeah. That internal intuitive guidance system, that that connection with source, yeah. that moment of getting quiet and hearing the little authenticness inside of you. Yeah. And I love how you said it, that easy, it feels just right, mm -hmm. not feels like a shoulda. Like I know that voice and I believe it's connected to something way bigger than every, every one of us. Yeah. But somebody listening or me right now, mm -hmm. if I were to walk out, I'd be like, all right, fuck it. You know, fuck it. Just show me a black rabbit. Yeah. Is it like that easy? Or do you believe that I should just leave the question there, but or do you believe that like it, it was just your time? I believe that intention is the power. So and that it's everyone's time all the time, the moment you decide it. But how is intention like so are you saying that your skepticism was outward, but inward there was such a yearning for it, the intention was there? Because I'm thinking like I say that skeptically, like you did. Yeah. But you weren't truly skeptical? Oh, no, I was skeptical for sure. But I, I still held the intention. Mm. I still held the intention. And and things and, and doing this with things that you don't actually have deep resistance around. So if someone was like, show me a million dollars in my bank account. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of stories. You've got a lot of subconscious reprogramming to do. You've got a lot of blocks to, in order to actually believe that that's possible. Mm. Being shown a black rabbit or being shown an owl, while I might be skeptical... 
I don't have resistance and stories around it. Mm. Right. And so the intention that I set to be shown that thing, like I still grapple with this now and I'll be honest with it because I'm like deep belief is required of this. And I also know that I had deep skepticism. So if maybe it's a scale and it's a tipping scale of like, I was ready and I was open and I did believe and I did desire and had a de- I did have a deep yearning for it. And that would out greater outweighed the skepticism, which mm. is probably what I believe. Like it kind of tipped the scales in sure, that direction. Sure, sure, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also didn't have like stories around an owl. Right. Like versus we'd have a big charge around show me a million dollars in my bank account. Great point. Yeah. So. So that's why doing it with something that doesn't hold charge helps you to strengthen the belief. And the more that you have evidence around things that don't have a charge, then you can start to expand on what it is that you ask for. And can you can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Say that one more time and then unpack that for me. So. I'm like, how did I even say it? The, war, uh, the more that you. you Oh, God, I don't know how you said it, but go ahead. I'll let the, you the more that you strengthen your belief yeah and it's a relationship too yeah with um like asking for a sign or or manifesting anything you strengthen your belief with the thing that doesn't hold the charge charge being an emotion yep got it you gain evidence right so that owl what that owl did it gave me evidence that maybe there was something bigger, mm. right? Maybe there was something more to this. I don't have all the answers, but now I've got a little bit more belief in the other direction. Mm. And the more you do that and practice that in something that doesn't hold the charge, then you start to gain evidence and start to it starts to shift your belief, right? So before I had all this skepticism, and I'll give you an example from like from my life, all this skepticism before, right? I was like, no way. Now I've gained so much evidence through practice of not just with the owls, but like yeah. things that show up in my life. Sure. Right. Yeah. That now I'm so much more open minded. I'm very open minded actually now to the things that I once judged. Now I not only stand for, I believe and I speak about and I teach. And so now when people come to me with new concepts, I'm much more willing and much more open-minded to try those things on because my skepticism is very much more, I wouldn't say it's non-existent because like there's always, I have discernment. That's what I should say. I have more discernment, more so with teachers than I do with concepts, but like the, the skeptical rebellious, like that can't be true part of me is much more quiet because Mm. I have so much evidence that things that I once believed so strongly were not true became true Mm. through evidence. And then I was able to do that with greater things. And now I'm seeing it show up in my life because I have this new belief. So now I'm not just manifesting an owl for the evidence that there's something greater at play here. Now, when I set an intention, like I set an intention back in August of a list of people that I wanted to have on my podcast. Mm. This was before I moved to Austin. This was before I was in the network groups that I'm in. It's before I knew all the people that I now know. Last week, we filmed for season two. Eight of the 11 episodes that I did were dream guests. No kidding. Yeah. Who were some of them? 
Garen Jones, yeah. Stefano Stefandos, Stephen Jaggers, um, Alexa Bowditch. These are all people that live in Austin. Garen's a beautiful example of this because I didn't know Garen at the time. Um, and I know you've had him on the show uh, and he's our connection. He's our connection. He's right? our connection. Yeah. And last August, I, I wrote down a list of people that I wanted to have on the show that seemed like, oh, this will happen in a few years, right? And I forgot about it, but that it, that's still yeah. an, an intention. Yep. And uh, forgot about it. October came across a post. And again, I'm not like in these communities at this point. Um, I just happened to come and I wasn't following Garen closely. Came across a post that he had a retreat in Austin and I knew I was moving to Austin and I was moving to Austin to uh, network mm. and to f begin filming my podcast in person because I understood I was like, we're at about a half a million right now and it's not recorded and it's, you know, we're not filmed. And I did this all through riffing in a microphone, basically myself without a network mm. and really doing a lot of it alone. I mean, I had a, a team, sure. but alone in terms of um, solo episodes, like solo episodes. Right, yeah. And uh, I didn't have community. Yep. So I was like the one weirdo in Houston when people are like, what do you do? I'm a podcaster. I'm like, what? You know, whereas here in Austin, it's like, oh, yeah, same. Oh. Let's do a, a trade. Right. So it, it's totally different energy. And uh, ended up meeting him at his retreat and I became his apprentice. Now he's like an older brother to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And and it plugged me into all these different things and it gave me gave me all these opportunities. Um, and I manifested at a much faster rate than, you know, I ever would have thought. And it's like collapsing time frames in a really drastic way. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, but it was because I was ready for it and I was ready to receive it in whatever way that it came. But that's a perfect example of like, now it's not the owl. Now it's the people, it's the opportunities, it's the launches, it's what I'm making in my business. It's, um, a lot of different things that now have come to free fruition so often that I know that when I set it, the universe will conspire. It will work and I will rise to meet it. Is there a difference between an intention and a wish? When you intend to do something. You're not just hoping for it, mm. not just wishing for it. A wish can be something that's a far off in a distance and it doesn't have an energy of claiming it. An intention, you claim it. Mm. It has power behind it. I intend well, to amazing. do this and meet it, right? Whereas like, I wish, I just hope this could happen, but it never could, right? Mm. Like we can hope, that must be nice. I wish to do this thing, but it, it's not met with the same power and conviction an intention, you rise to meet it. A wish can always just be a wish. So your intention then to have these guests on, you said eight of 11 came on. Mm -hmm. um, you said, you, I was going to ask you, and it sounds like you didn't, you did not have a recall process for it. It was simply something where I wrote it down. This is what I want. I set the intention and I let it go. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Or do you normally put some sort of like... When you say recall, can you yeah, define what you mean? popping it up every month and saying, you know, looking at your goals or your intentions on a weekly basis yeah. or a monthly basis. I'm just kind of curious if there's a... Is there a process around intention? Totally. Um, yes, and I'll say like with that specifically, I didn't go back. Sure, right. But it wasn't because I... I also do that practice where I go back and, but I wasn't doing that with intention just for that specific example. Yeah. Like that was actually me writing a PR list for like my team to be like, Hey, like we'll eventually go after these guests. <laughs> it wasn't like I'm sitting down, I'm writing a manifesto. I have a practice where I write a manifesto and it's like it by December 31st, 2023, I have blank. And so I do revisit that periodically. Mm -hmm. Um, you can, and I do have some people that teach like 
oh, you, you know, I know some people teach review it every single day and all these things. Um, I don't personally do that because I, I do believe once you do set the intention, like it does, um, it, it is now out there. It's And, and there is a lot of, I mean, there is science in like reviewing your goals and where you're going and keeping you on track. So I do, I, I live my life every single night. I have certain practices that keep me in alignment with those things. So I don't necessarily have to go back and read the manifesto every day because every single night I'm in the pocket with what did I learn today? What did I accomplish today? Yeah. What am I proud of You know, today? What am I reflecting on? Um, so I'm doing that every single day anyway. So it kind of keeps me in that pocket. So you know, different pe- people will say different things about that. I don't personally like. I have to review this every single day, but I do go back to it periodically. No, it's it's yeah. a, the reason I, I'm pulling this up. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this down on my on my uh, my phone app. I said my it said I wrote my vision for May 19, 2023, and I wrote mm-hmm. this on May 19, 2022. So like a one yeah. year thing. And it says uh, uh, it's May 19, 2023. We're living in a four bedroom villa in Capcana. We live in a four bedroom uh, house in Punta Cana, but same thing, same same spot. So that, but look at the size of it. Yes. That's an intention. I don't, I didn't go back and look at this every day, but it happened. Yeah. What's funny is when I look below that, um, I talked about grossing 2 million in revenue in our business. I didn't, I didn't hit that, but Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, as I look at it, even when I, I pulled it up just yesterday, just before uh, we spoke, uh, you know, right after we spoke, I should say, Um, it was a wish. It was like, Mm -hmm. that'd be cool. (laughs) <laughs> not claiming it right yeah. like i'm finding a damn four-bedroom house because we need it for you know we had two kids guests sure. all that stuff it was claimed it was an intention it was going to happen and it manifested yeah but some of this other stuff that i wrote down some of it has some of it hasn't um come true and that what you said really makes sense as far as you know i i set an intention around certain things with with conviction i yeah. claimed it i put that energy around it mm-hmm. but wishing for other things doesn't get you there right right, right. no matter what process you follow yeah yeah, and I I love that that you brought that up too, and so cool, right? Like you you set the intention, yeah. and then it happened. You didn't like go back and reread every single no, day. No, like no. I yeah. have a four bedroom, right? And so there, some people say there's science around doing that, and I do think it's it's science around directing your directing your intention, yeah. um, or directing your action, I should say. So, but with like the two million, right? What I've found is like. One day you're going to look back at that, whether that's a few months from now, whether that's yeah. one more year from now or whatever, be like, oh, we did that two million. Yeah. So in, you still have that intention, but intention, what I've found, um, you also get to have the capacity to hold it. Yeah. So for me, what I'm also learning is like, I'm in this for the long haul. Yeah. Like I'm not going anywhere. I've told people this. I'm like, oh, just wait. Like, I am going to be the person. Like, you will see me in three years, in five years, in 10 years. Like, I know where I'm going. Mm. That is, like, with such conviction. Great point. Because I know I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And so whether the thing that I say I want in my human ego timeline of $2 million a year or for me, you know, like, right, I'm I, I'm scaling my my business, my company to a million this year. Mm. We hit just, we yeah. just, just got there. Yeah. So we're in the same. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm like. I can say it with conviction. I'm speaking it into existence. And there is also an element of non-attachment mm. to the time frame that my human ego wants because it will happen regardless. That mm. like I'm sure you have intention and know in your bones that you're going to hit the two million mark. Right. I know it's going to be a small number one day. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And um, the the non-attachment to the time frame 
because there might be specific lessons that you have to learn. And uh, because the last thing we want is the pop and drop is what actually Garen, Garen speaks of it in this way, where lottery winners are the, the greatest example. I want to win all this money and da, da, da. And then what happens? They're broke again in three years because mm. they didn't have the capacity to hold it. Yeah. So what I'm more um, concerned with, concern isn't really the best word, but like what I'm um, more intentional around for me right now. So wh- how can I inc- increase my own capacity to hold what is coming? Yeah. Not only in my own energy and my own nervous system, but also in the structure of my business, in the foundations, in the systems, in the way I manage my team. And so that when that two million comes, I can hold it and it's I, I can hold it with grace. Yeah. And with ease. And then it will scale out from there. And so maybe in what I'm I'm sitting with is I was like, I'm a million, a million, a million. And then I realized, well, the million's coming, whether that happens in December or happens in June of 2024, whenever that is. But I know that I'm going to have the capacity to hold it. And maybe the foundation gets to be even more solid before that thing comes to me. But I know it's coming to me, whether it's in my human time frame or not isn't necessarily up to me. That's amazing. How do you, how do you create the context, the expansion of the, the holding, uh, expanding to be able to hold all of it spiritually? I get the team part of it, yep. but how do you, or what are some things you're doing or trying to, to expand this. that? This is so alive for me right now in this moment. Yeah. Mastering my emotional capacity. Hmm. How so, so, and I'm speaking also, and, and women that are listening to this, I don't know how what your split is for women or men. 75, 25 men. But okay. There all are right. women. Men and women, all right? Men <laughs> get to be in touch with your emotions too. But for me as a woman in business, and I pr- coach primarily women, yeah. I have big emotions. So for me, understanding my emotional process and my emotional capacity and and realizing that any big emotion that I have shows my huge capacity and being able to like harness my big capacity. So what that looks like in practice for me is I do a lot of breath practice. Mm. So I go on a run in the mornings. I'm not a runner, but I go on a run in the mornings. I breathe only in and out of my nose Mm. to, I put myself in intentionally challenging circumstances, cold therapy, So I'll do that. I do breath work. I do um, these different practices that expand my edges of what is comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then anything that comes up, I like literally will feel into the capacity of that and then direct it inside of me, direct it to my intention. I'll direct it to what it is I'm creating. So I'll actively and like I I do this in process and retreats. Um, I'm about to start teaching it, but. I do this also like as an attendee of because I'm in massive um, masterminds and things like that that intentionally have me go into processes that are uncomfortable. So in the retreat setting, like I've gone into processes that intentionally evoke big emotions Mm. for men and women. We're doing doing this co-ed in a space and then learning how to transmute that energy within me. So like the trust that I have within myself because I'm really learning my own emotional mastery and capacity has helped me tremendously with 
every single day I'm hitting a growth edge mm. with where I'm at in scaling right now. And so I'm constantly brought back to my breath. And so the way I regulate myself is through like deep breathing, through practices of breath work, through practices of pre presence, through space. Like I have something I in my ears all the time. I don't watch TV. Like I'm, I'm constantly, I have some type of book in my ears, some type of motivational anything and like in input. I really watch what I input. Um, and I'm also very intentional about um, my presence at the beginning and end of my day. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes, I love that. I love the expanded, the, I've started to do cold showers in the mm -hmm. morning and I was always like against it. Like, that's yeah. so, why do I need to take a cold shower? I want a nice warm shower mm -hmm. in the morning. Right. But it's not about the cold shower being magical. It's what you just said. Yeah. I, I, I proved to myself every morning that I can do something mm -hmm. hard. So right. it makes the first thing I do in the day, whatever that's going to be, yeah. just a little bit easier. It's expanding my mm -hmm. context. That's at least how I see it. It's 100%. And I thought that that was bullshit for the longest time. I'm like, what do you mean you just push yourself into something hard? Like, I can do hard things. Have you seen the trauma I've been through? Like, you know, like that was my... It's true. But, yeah, yeah. but that was actually... If you have that reaction as you're listening to this, I would invite you to get curious around your ego's mm. desire to stay comfortable with that specific thing. Makes sense. When it came to physical discomfort, that was the the number one thing I shied away from. I'm like, I can do mental discomfort all day. The physical discomfort, like I'm good. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually been something that that I've I've expanded into and it has greatly increased my capacity. Yeah. Yeah. The breathing parts interesting. A friend of mine does uh he exercises his his trainer is a breath work breath work and uh, like personal trainer or mm -hmm. whatever. And he's like, I don't care about how many reps you do. It's how many breaths you take. Mm. So he'll say like for three full breaths, do yeah. this exercise for three full breaths, do that exercise, right? Mm -hmm. like, like incorporating breath work. It's just yeah. such an important, it's, it, I mean, you're at the cutting edge in this regard. Like people in our circle hear about it all the time, Yeah. but broadly it's looked at as some, you know, you're, you're weird. Yeah. Blue. You're making, yeah, you're banging on little like glasses with uh, it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's this weird thing, but yeah. Man, the, the breath holds so much power. It does. And and you'll be surprised if anybody listening to this, if you don't have a breath practice, mm. invite you to explore that because this is really fun for me to dive into. The breath is the only bodily function in our body that we do both consciously and unconsciously. So I could tell you, take a breath right now and you go... Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then in like 30 seconds, we're going to forget that we're breathing because we're sitting here on this podcast and yeah. having a great conversation. Yeah. Right. And so it's actually the bridge between your conscious and unconscious mind. That's crazy. So what you will find is when you tune into the breath, you do breath work or you get present to your breath, which is what in meditation and presence mm -hmm. coming back to the breath, coming back to the breath. Right. That's how we bring ourselves back into presence. You will be floored at what unlocks for you in your mind because you are present now and in, in a bridge to your unconscious. Mm. All right. So let's talk about psychedelics. Mm. What role does that play, if, it, if any, for you? Yeah. So I love to, I, I, I love this question because I don't talk about this a ton. Uh, but personally for me, I've worked a lot with mushrooms mm. and with ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. So I've done both. And I haven't done ayahuasca. And just, you know, ayahuasca, I think that will will call me at some point. That's really big in the spiritual community. But for me personally, um, mushrooms has has been really big in just terms of my connection and belief. Like we talk about belief and evidence and 
Um, it's helped me a lot with being able to see what's always there, but we're not typically present to. Yeah. So, so that has really broadened my, my landscape, broadened my horizon of just my own possibilities. And I work with microdosing mushrooms a little bit too. Yeah, sure. Um, and with insights and having access to different, you know, unconscious programs or accepting different parts of myself, like that's been really big for me. And as well as ketamine assisted psychotherapy was like a whole, a whole experience. Was, I did. Was once, I don't know, smoother than the other? Is that the, is that the word, you know, like um, more? They're just different. Yeah. I, I have a lot more experience with mushrooms than I do with ketamine, but it was also, ketamine was a very, um, It was in a a different setting, mm. right? So mushrooms I work with on my own as well. And, and with cap, they call it cap therapy. I had a doctor and a therapist mm -hmm. and um, I was in, it wasn't a clinical setting because it was, you were in a zero gravity chair. I was, you know, had a weighted blanket on me, headphones. This is ketamine you're talking This is about. the ketamine. Yeah, yeah. Ketamine. Ketamine was very curated. That's what I should say. Oh, ketamine a was a yeah. very curated experience. Uh, mushrooms you've only done on your own, or are you doing that in more of a therapeutic sense? I haven't done them with a therapist. Uh, no. So I did them. Yeah. So no, I've done much mushrooms on my own. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how, how much? I don't do what they call like heroes doses. Like I personally don't like to dabble in the five gram, like I don't do that. That's where I went. Yeah. yeah. So if I ever did that, yeah. I would 100% do it with a therapist. Yeah. I would never do that on my own. Yeah. Um, if I do mushrooms, I do like a gram and that to me is like good. That's nice. What, what is, what comes up for you? Is it a, is it a light experience for you in, at one gram? Does it ever get, you know, dark or do dark things come up or is it? I've had a few dark experiences. Um it, I, when I do mushrooms now, I do them alone, mm. typically. Like, I also used to do mushrooms in, like, the party days before sure, I woke up sure, to this sure, stuff, sure. right? And now you're setting Without intention. intention. Right, yeah. This is such a different it's experience. Amazing. That one thing, people say, that, like, oh, I did mushrooms when I was 20. I'm like, yeah, but no. done with an intention. Right. Right, yeah. it, Mushrooms reveal to you what you're ready for, and they <laughs> give you exactly what it is that you need, um, and the intention really matters. Yeah. So if you go into there to like party, it's just, it's a totally different, uh, like experience. It's, it's not, you're not getting the same thing at all. And depending on the dosage. And again, like, I'm not like the expert to talk no, about I this, just, but yeah. like, I'll tell you my experience, the dosage, it becomes a different, uh, medicine. Mm. So if you dabble in the microdosing realm. So yeah. if you're anywhere from 0.1 to 0.25, mm -hmm. right? Which I have like microdosing capsules. Yep. People do those during the day. Like I have friends that'll do five days on, three days off, five days on, three days off of microdosing. Mm -hmm. I hear that can be very therapeutic for people with getting off of SSRIs or, or different things. I personally haven't done a regimen where it's like, I'm doing this for 30 days, five days on, like two days off. I have tried microdosing during the day. I don't personally like to podcast or coach with it. It's more of like if I'm going to do something creative and I'm going to go to the park, if I'm going to be trying to channel like what's my next thing that I'm doing sure. to tap into myself. For me personally, they're more of an inward experience. I don't want to be performing uh, in any way. 
whether that's like on a podcast or speaking engagement or needing to coach, right, mm. to be in that space. I like to be a clear channel for those um, experiences. But I'll dabble in the one to maybe two gram realm, which at that point you're having full on oh, sure. trip experiences. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I've never done like a five gram, so I can imagine that's that's completely. My first one different. was five gram. Second one was a little less, four maybe four. How and was half. that experience for you? The five, uh, all of them. The but... first one was intense. Yeah, it was dark. It was. Yeah. Um, I was confronted with my ego, mm. um, which is what again having a having somebody there to guide me through. There was music and kind of what you talk about yep. the ketamine therapy. Yeah, weighted blanket, the whole yep. nine. It was highs and lows like I've never felt before. Like yeah. I, I was in tears one moment. And then in this incredibly enlightened and happy space the next moment. Um, but what it revealed for me was that I had my intention on that was what's blocking me from being the best version of myself. Mm. And uh, immediately it was like this sinister energy, like a, like a demonic sense came at me. And it was from talking through it. It sounds like my suppression of my ego, like the fact that like, you know, they say ego is the enemy and all that. I don't, I don't believe that. I think I don't either. I think ego is the enemy if you allow it to rule. Right. Yeah. Like ego is probably what gets you in trouble if you let it take over. But my ego is also uh, it protects me, it drives me, it pushes me if I'm in partnership with it. Mm -hmm. So my ego is suppressed so much like, oh, you're bad. I don't want to have an ego. I don't want that. I want I don't want that. So when I ask the question, what's blocking me from being the best version of myself? It's not having a relationship with my ego. So it just kind of came at me and it's the best way I could describe mm -hmm. it. So that was heavy. But um, the next one, be because I had done some work through constellation healing. Yeah. Know, yeah. Things like that with my ego. I had a confrontation with the physical form of my ego, which. People watch my video, like, what the fuck are you talking about? But yeah. that's constellation healing, or at least my version of yeah. the way, when, I, when I went through it. The second was way more of like a like a board of directors of me were all sitting at a table and like working on problems together. Like me, my ego, my sense of humor, my my intuition. Like we were all hanging out and like, mm -hmm. let's work on some stuff. That's parts together. work. Is that what is that? I've never heard parts that. work. What does that mean? Is that what I just described? So yeah, you just described it. Uh parts work is the concept of we all have different parts of ourselves mm. and no part is bad. Mm. And so when you can become in dialogue with yourself and there, I mean, this is a whole other conversation. I can go like totally down a rabbit hole, but like basically you're having, having conversations with different parts of yourself and allowing them all a seat at the table. Yeah. And then when you do that, like all of those fragmented parts of yourself actually become whole. I teach this in my, in my course, in my I programs. Yeah. Dive in. But yeah, the, the point you made about psychedelics, uh, psilocybin mushrooms in particular, and giving you a glimpse into like, I, I remember think I remember saying to the person in the room, because I'm very chatty when I'm when I'm high, apparently um, things like like whatever this is, meaning like my physical yeah. form. You know? Yeah. And she brought me and she's like, well, it's part of reality. Like, right. It's not like this is real and your physical form is some like like joke or whatever. That's not right. there. But it's part of your reality. But I man, it was amazing to feel the difference between like, wow, this is, uh, it, you know, mm. it's more than it's fucking spiritual. It's fucking point, spiritual. Right? Um, but I want to ask you on the mic. So microdosing for me, I would do like three days on two days off. Mm -hmm. And I actually liked it on a podcast setting because, really? it, because it expanded me. Yeah. As far as like my connect, like I, I can mm -hmm. feel and hear and absorb yep. things and then go back. Sure. But for you, you're using that internally, it sounds like. Yeah. And, and it's and that's to your point, it's different for every single person. And I also fully give myself the um, the freedom to change my mind mm. and try it again. And in things with mushrooms or any tool, right, they're all a tool. The intention like the, it, your relationship 
with it can grow and expand and change over time. So I'm in a space right now where I'm not doing anything. I'm not really doing. I'm actually pretty sober from everything right just right now in this sure, moment. Sure. Um, or only microdosing. And. Yeah, I think your question was, is it inward? It's an inward journey for me. So, yeah, I what I've done in my experience with it. I have done it in more social settings or with other people in spiritual gatherings and sure. groups. That's a really big thing that people do here. And I personally do it to go inward. Mm. Um, so I'll do it alone. I do a lot of things alone. Mm. Uh, I enjoy going. I just went to Costa Rica alone, uh, microdosed in Costa Rica by myself um, in the middle of the Costa Rican jungle. And wow. You know, I, I was at a, I was, I went to a festival, but I did, I went alone to this festival mm -hmm. to like, and, and what I've found is that it amplifies anything that you already are and are already are feeling. It's true. So I've had experiences where the mushrooms will, will reveal to me, you say the darker energies, right? The darker thing that's within me and it amplifies that thing for the moment. Mm -hmm. And then it's also, it's really uh, it, it can amplify the light as well. It can and the I, I've had moments like two years ago when I decided about it's fucking spiritual that this was going to be the thing. I took mushrooms and it was revealed to me that this was going to be huge and I could feel the energy of what was being created. And at the time I lived in a high rise and I was looking over the entire city of Houston. And I was like, oh, your eyes open on this stuff. Yeah. I was like, wow. wow. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I yeah. And I um, I voice note. Yeah. Record everything. I do that all the time with mushrooms or no mushrooms. But there's a voice recording somewhere of me two years ago, like crying on mushrooms, like realizing what this was going to become wow. before I launched it. That's crazy. And yeah, so I have I've experienced that. And I think I've actively experienced manifest the, the the proof of manifestation while on mushrooms so immediately. Mm through amplification of what I'm feeling and understanding that I can direct my energy. And when I direct it over here, it becomes this thing and it, and it takes you on a ride and then it, you know, I can pull it back and then I can amplify it over here and then it takes you in a ride this direction. And so it, it's really revealed to me the power that we have mm. and that we always have. So Incredible. that's yeah, a big lesson. I want to, I want to ask about your dad. Mm. I, I'll, I'll, the question I want to ask is, do you have a relationship with him now, now that you, you know, especially with the, it's fucking spiritual. Yeah. I'll just leave it there. If you needed me to explain that more, I can't, no, I think I, you get it. So. I got you. This is really cool timing that you're asking me this. So I just had an experience in Tulum. I part of a mastermind, uh, with incredible high-level entrepreneurs that have, you know, done big things in the world. And we were in what, what was called a dojo, which mm -hmm. is like a container um, where you're going to go really deep. So the what I was speaking about earlier on the podcast of like evoking an emotion, mm -hmm. going deep into that emotion, and then having an, a safe container in which you can actively practice transmuting it. So that's what we were doing. We were like bringing up these big things and then transmuting them. And I had asked a week before this for a sign that my father was with me because for a long time, I did not have a relationship with him after he passed. I did it first when I was a teenager. Hmm. And then as the pain really set in. And I think the realization, the first five years after losing my dad, like 
were very, I barely remember them still to this day. Um, I was honestly like drunk most of the time. Like it, it is really wild now uh, to, to think back to that. But I lost the connection that I had with him maybe the first year after he passed. And for about eight years, I didn't have a relationship at all. And these come out in glimpses, but I carried so much shame for the way I handled his passing for so many years. And I've really worked through that a lot. Like there was a lot of shame around like he wouldn't be proud of me for how I, you know, I wasn't he wouldn't even ever want me to curse. And I mean, now right, it's now you're drinking and, right, uh, uh, and right, doing all yeah. this, these things. And, and I have hand tattoos and like all, he never wanted me to get a tattoo. Like all of these things I had to like work through my shame and my grandmother has passed passed in uh, at the beginning of COVID, and I've I've always kept a relationship with her, and I've always been able to feel her energy like near. But my father it just felt like he was really far away, very distant. And I'm going into this space in my career where it's taking off in a very massive way, mm-hmm. and I can see that that, it, that it's happening, and I can feel the energy, and the tipping point is about to tip. Like I can really feel it. And a week before we went to Tulum, I set the intention to to have my father um, for a sign for that my father was with me. And we're in these practices, we're in these energies, and we go into a breathwork practice. And something to know about my father is he was like such a hard ass, you know, and like also amazing man, like incredible, beautifully, like just just an incredible person, like the nicest person to the CEO and the janitor, right? Like treated everybody the same. And he also had a lot of power, like very powerful person. And I have a lot of that same power within me. And this is a long winded way for me to tell you the story, but it's I love, like, I'm, I'm okay. literally on the edge of my seat. Beautiful, so, yeah, so we go into this breath work in Tulum. And it's a partnered breath work, which I've never done before. There's so many, there's so many different kinds of breath work out there. And they're like, everybody close your eyes and walk around the room and like feel the energy of the people in the room. And like, you'll suddenly find your partner. So I find this man, Scott, who is a dear friend of mine and was a co-coach inside of the program. And so he and I are partnered up. And at the beginning, before you go into the breath work, we uh, you sit across from each other. You do this like eye gazing kind of like five minute thing where you're just staring at each other and I put a heart or a hand on his heart. He puts a hand on my heart and it's just like a connection. Right. And you're meant to set your attention and something as an aside that I've been working through is like, I've been doing this work actively for five years. And the question I consistently ask typically going into a breathwork ceremony or, or anything, it's like, what do I need to release? What do I need to let go of? Right. And I think those are very powerful questions, right? What's blocking me? What's holding me back? And I'm constantly asking that question. What I realized through this weekend in Tulum, and this was just two weeks ago, was that I'm constantly asking that question, but it's actually the undertone of that question is I'm not good enough as I am or something is wrong with me. Wow. And so I realized how do I ask a more empowering question? And I'm doing a lot of work with archetypes right now. Um, and one of the archetypes, and we have collective consciousness archetypes, right? And one of those archetypes is the warrior. And the warrior holds a lot of power. It's the archetype of action. And so I set the intention in this breathwork, rather than asking what I needed to release and let go of, how can I actively and intentionally 
call on my power and harness it. Mm. And what I realized is, and so actually, let me back up. I'll tell you what I realized. But that was my intention going into the breath work. And we're, and I'm realizing this as we're doing the eye gazing and exercise, hand, hand on heart. Yep. And then they say, everybody hug. And so we go into this hug. And Scott gives me the biggest bear hug that I have ever felt, just like huge hug. And there was just something different about the energy of this hug. And he's crying. He starts crying. He's crying and he's crying. And like, we're not allowed to talk at this point. So I don't, I think he's just going through his own personal process. I have no idea why he's crying. And then we go into the breath work and you sit back to back during this breath work. You lock your arms and you're leaning back and forth with this person for oh, like interesting 90 minutes, like, Holy ha, shit. Ha, yeah, ha, like yeah. that. And it makes your whole body go numb. And so I'm feeling like, how can I generate power? And like, I have this visualization of like all of this power becomes me and it fills my whole body. And then I become the room and I become the city and this, and it's like, it's just a visual that I'm having and it's this like very um like transcendental type of when when you'd go deeply into something like this like yeah. you leave your body and so then we you know this is about a two-hour thing and we we come down from the breath work and I'm I didn't cry I didn't release in that breath work and typically if if you do breath work like a lot of people will scream and cry and it's not and that was happening all throughout the room that didn't happen for me this time that's typical but instead I was like so powerful and I felt into my power so coming back to my dad so then we go they say everybody share with your partner what came up for you mm. oh boy and he says to me Rachel this is gonna sound really nuts and I don't know how else to say it, so I'm just going to say it. And he starts crying before he can even get the words out. He's like, this happened to me one other time in my whole life where this woman came to me and I, it was this guy's mother. And I, it was like so undeniable. He's like, and this is the second time when we had our hand on each other's hearts, your dad came to me. And like asked if I could be used as a channel, as, like a, as a vessel. Yeah, yeah. And I like with my energy said yes. And so when I gave you that hug, it was just like, it was like he was saying like, no, this is my hug. And so I started hugging you and I felt feelings that weren't mine. And like, it was your dad and he, it was like, he misses you and he's so proud of you. And like. He's like crying as he's telling me this. I'm crying I'm at this point. Yeah, I know. It's like crazy. <laughs> and he's like, he's just so proud of you. And he's like, and he wants me to tell you that you're ready for your power. And I was like bawling. I'm like, oh my God. And like I had chills and I'm like, holy shit. Like that's insane. And it was like in. He and he was like, I could feel like a warrior energy from me. He's telling me these things that he did not know. I'm like, this is wild. And so then we go into one more process. And I could, it was the first time I could feel my dad with me. And like for the first time in probably a decade, I could feel him there. And when you're in containers like that, they say the veil is thin. But like what they mean is just that the energy is so potent mm -hmm. and things can happen that are just undeniable and they seem bizarre. But it was like so real. And like he knew it was like he gave me this message that was from my dad. And then the next song that plays is they played this kind of almost like worship music. 
But all of the lyrics were like, dad, father coming home. And like, I lost it. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like bawling my eyes out. And I'm as I'm crying, but I'm not crying out of sadness. I'm crying out of like pure strength and knowing that like I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And it was like this initiation into where I'm going. And I laid on my back and I opened my hands. It was like, I'm ready. And in that moment, it was like my father. I know this sounds so nutty, but it's just like what happened. I feel my dad's energy there. And I felt almost as if he was like, you're ready. And here's all of my power that I had. And I'm now giving it to you. And when that happened, my whole body went numb. And so I can't explain what happens somatically when you're in processes like this. My whole body started to shake and it looked like an ayahuasca ceremony probably. And we went through this whole thing and I could feel and I felt completely different since then. And it, and, and it was so beautiful because it showed me that I can actively call upon my power at any moment. Like I don't have to let go of anything. I can just actively bring that part out in me. And I was going into off of Tulum. I had two days after being home and then I went into filming uh, 11 episodes, 12 episodes of um, really big name people. And I needed to call on that power. And so when I came home, I started to have this practice of calling on my power every day. And now I've created a relationship with my dad where every day I'm asking for him to be there with me and asking for guidance and asking for these things. And that didn't come online until a few weeks ago in Tulum from that experience. So I love that question. Well, let me. Yeah, (laughs) you got me. You got me choked up over here, tearing up listening to this. You know, it's hard in those moments. It's hard not to place. It's like you put your for me, at least I put myself like uh in both of those shoes, like, what if I passed mm. and then my kids and how much I would miss them? I'm, mm. I'm choking to think about that yeah. right now, how much I would miss them. So in that moment, I'm picturing me as your dad and you as my son, yeah. my sons. Um, that's heavy, yeah, but incredible. Super so. heavy and sounds super woo, but like, I used to think that that stuff was like, what, that, like, that's not real. But now I've been in enough. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. Yeah. Let me ask the question this way, because I want to ask where you're going. But you said you're, you're and I, I completely agree with you. And even Garen, the way he introduced this, he's like, I'm going to shoot you to Rachel before she's too big to introduce. I'm like, OK, good enough. <laughs> Send her over. Let's let's meet her. And then I start Love seeing what that. you're doing. Well, he's right. <laughs> Thanks, though, Garen. It's very easy to peek at what you're doing on your profile. Look at your podcast. Look at your brand, what you're doing and see like he's right. Thank you. But what is the tipping point? So in other words, what you say, it's about the tip. It's about to get huge, whatever. At the same time, I hear, I heard you saying, you know, it's not about uh, I'm not it's you, the questions you ask yourself may imply that you're incomplete or not good enough where you are right now. Mm-hmm. So what is for you the tipping point or maybe what's the vision? Like, what do you what do you consider your your tip or huge? What does that mm. mean for you? Oh, I love that. I it's an energy that is felt. I have a vision that we bring spirituality to the masses in a way that is different and that people can come back home and connect it to themselves. Like I believe as a society and a culture, we've become so disconnected and, and really have gotten away from the truth of who it is that we really are and our own power. And so I see what it is that I do as a small sliver of the piece that helps wake up humanity and bring them back, remember their own power, bring them back home to themselves. 
And so what that looks like for me, when I say the tipping, like the tipping point, if you will, of like, this is going to be big or whatever, is that I've spent years and years honing the foundation and I'm starting to see the response of what it is that I'm doing. And I'm starting to see the connections and the things that are coming into my life. And uh, Garen actually is the one that has given this analogy to me. He's like, when you, if there was a train going 100 miles an hour in one direction, which for me was down a bad path for years and years and years and years. You start slowing that train and you want, to, and you want the train to go down, down the complete opposite direction. Got to slow the train and slow the train and slow the train. And then you got to turn the train or whatever. The train has to yeah. turn around. And then it starts going momentum in another way, in the other direction. And then it starts to pick up speed. And suddenly then, then all of a sudden you're going and it's downhill. So where I feel the energy of where I am is I've turned that train and the train is going and the train is moving and it's starting to pick up speed and manifestations and things are starting to come into my life at such a rapid rate, whether that's um, connections, whether that's opportunities, whether that's people, whether it's just being reflected to me through whatever avenue and I can feel I'm in this foundation building phase that like for example I haven't relaunched the second season of my podcast but all these people and all these connections are starting so I can see like when we start to launch that and as we're launching the retreats and as that this energy and this thing like wants to be created and it's not just it's not me it's this it's like a movement of of people waking up to their own power. I'm like, I'm not your guru. I don't know. But I do know that it's fucking spiritual and that people are down for it and they're sharing it and they want more of this and that people are starting to wake up and coming back home to themselves and questioning the narrative. And like I'm seeing it happen collectively, globally on a large scale, even people like yourself doing the work that you're doing. Right. It's like there's all these people just like popping up. And so the energy is starting to shift and I can feel that for me personally, the momentum is just picking up speed. Mm. And I'm never going to stop. So I don't really know, like, at what point am I like, we made it, right? Like, because it's in many ways, people will look at me and be like, you made it. And right, right now I feel like I'm at the very beginning. So I think that's all relative. Yeah, and that's sure. a lot of that can be ego, right? Of like, I sure. want this thing. But it's an energy that I could just feel what's waking up within me. I can feel what's waking up within my community. I see how it's being shared at a rapid rate and I see the opportunities that are coming and expanding. And I just, it's like a knowing mm. and it it's, I, I am the calmest I've ever been about it. Mm. And so that's how I know it's really real. Well, it's fucking spiritual season two coming out when, Couple weeks. Couple weeks. Yeah. Big names plus me. Yeah. Um, Big name. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, where else can people reach out, learn more about you? Come hang out with me primarily on Instagram, but I'm also on TikTok at Rachel Gibbler. So I'm sure you'll put this in the sh in the show notes. 100%. And the podcast is it's fucking spiritual. Um, but come DM me, hang out. RachelGibbler.com. We have uh, all of my info for retreats and things like that are on there. And yeah, definitely reach out and let me know. Um, if you listen to the episode, I would love to hear your takeaways. Incredible. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> 